because either I acknowledge her wonderful playing and ask all of us to applaud and then she would be thoroughly embarrassed but then I was also caught in that rock and a hard place where okay if I don't acknowledge it and then she's mad at me because I don't then where would I be? So for me personally I think we should acknowledge her music and her wonderful playing. So we're going to give her... together and it's found in your red hymnal number 549. The doxology.
Our call to worship is hymn number 660. O God, my God, I eagerly await you. My life thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a waterless, desolate desert, my lips shall praise. While I live, I will bless you and pray in your name. My life most desperately needs you. Your right arm has hold of me. May the king rejoice in God's strength. May all who swear by him boast, for he shuts the mouth of deceivers. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 217. And since we're getting into the Christmas season, the tree is up. The poinsettias are here. And I'm always thankful for those volunteers that come and and set this up as we begin the holidays. And also, just a reminder, we will be having service here on Christmas Day at 0900, 9 a.m., and Lynn and I will be here uh, conducting the service. So we will have Christmas Day service here at 9 a.m. on Christmas Day. I'm ready. that we shouldn't just sing during the Christmas season. We should sing it every once in a while throughout the year to remind us of the love that God has for each and every one of us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have brought us all here this morning to come and worship you. And Lord, we are just so thankful that we have this opportunity in this chapel, within this institution, within this great country, just to spend time thinking about our relationship with you, God. And we do not take it for granted. 
And we are so thankful for all of the servicemen and women that have served our country in peace and war that has given us this opportunity to worship freely as we so choose. And Lord, we think of the needs of our servicemen and women throughout our world, those that are on deployment. We lift up all of their chaplains as they are providing services on this Sunday day. And God, we also lift up the families because they too bear the burden of sacrifice of the military service as well. And Lord, we come to you with the needs and requests in our individual lives, the needs of family members and friends, the needs of patients throughout this medical center, the needs of the staff that are working today, and the family that will be visiting. Lord, we lift them all to you. And God, we know that you intervene in a very special way in all of our lives. And many times we don't see it because it's not what we expected. It's not what we thought it would be. But God, you are always working in our lives. And give us the understanding to see it through your eyes and not through our own. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 218, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen me put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us through the hymns that we have sung, the prayers that we have offered, that our lives should always reflect the joy of Christmas in our lives all the time the joy of understanding that precious gift that you have given each and every one of us, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, we thank you for that gift. And I would ask that your worship would continue. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I don't know what your favorite Christmas movie is, I saw the other day, It's a Wonderful Life was on. I don't know if you're into Wonderful Life. My, my, my middle brother, he enjoyed that movie. There's also the Polar Express. I don't know if you like Polar Express. I think Polar Express is pretty cool. Now, usually my favorite, I would tell you, would be the Muppet Christmas Carol. Because I've always liked the Muppets from years ago when they used to be on TV and they used to have their TV shows. I always used to love the Muppets. In fact, when I was dating my wife years ago, I was over at their house and I was watching the Muppet show on TV and my soon-to-be father-in-law was making remarks about how stupid it was for people who were watching the Muppets. (laughs) She remembers that. But you know, I uh, have been watching this other movie, and I I watched it for the first time last year, and I've I've watched it a couple times now as we go into the season, and that's Arthur's Christmas. Has anybody seen Arthur's Christmas? Oh, some of you have? Okay. Uh, So that's kind of sort of becoming my favorite, and if you get a chance, this is not a commercial for it or anything like that, but if you get a chance to, to see Arthur's Christmas, there's parts of it that I really enjoy. And I think one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is it involves different generations of Santas uh, in the movie. And uh, it's kind of interesting because you see the dynamics between father and son, grandfather and grandsons. So all these kind of different dynamics take place in terms of Arthur's Christmas. And I think I've been watching it too many times because Lynn, I think, is getting sick of it because when she comes downstairs... Last night I had it on TV again, and she's like, why are you watching this again? 
So anyway, I'd like Arthur's Christmas. And I think that's something that we need to consider when we look at the different generations that celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas should mean in one sense the same to all of us, but just because of where we are in life in terms of our age, in terms of our life experiences, in terms of our culture, we, see all, we all see Christmas in different ways. We all have our little filters in which we see certain events, in which we sing certain songs. As we were singing the songs this morning, the hymns about Christmas and the coming of Christ's birth, the reality of the fact that we celebrate Christmas because of Christ's birth and what God has done for each and every one of us through his son, Jesus Christ. But regardless of what age you are, regardless of how you see Christmas in terms of your own life experience, one thing should be centered there for all of us, and that is the salvation that was provided to each and every one of us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And our life with Christ should be reflected in an attitude that we read in the scriptures this morning. Our life should always be rejoicing in the Lord, always, regardless of the circumstances we might find ourselves in, regardless of how difficult things seem to be. And I know the last couple of weeks, I have been experiencing, and for those of you that don't come here on a regular basis, we've been having this fun about using the I statement. Because, right, you're going through different things and they're always telling you to use the I statement. So I've tried to make it the effort to say the I statement. So the last couple of weeks, I've been really struggling with a lot of different things because I've been pulled, and I am being pulled, in different directions in terms of the different responsibilities that I have. And it hasn't been easy for me to rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, I know that when I am being pulled in different ways and I feel that my responsibilities are being stretched to the limit, I get very irritable about little things. In fact, I was leaving yesterday morning because I had to go and do something and there was a box that was leaning against my truck. It was an empty box because we're doing some moving in our house. We're doing some general cleaning. Is that what you'd say? Getting rid of that stuff that's been in your house for years or months. And so that box was there and it was leaning against my truck. And I'm like, what's this box doing here? You know, and I opened the door to the house and I threw the cardboard box in there. It was empty. And Lynn is looking at me like, what is your problem? She didn't say anything. She just gave me that look, like, what is your problem? I said goodbye, and I gave her a kiss. Because she always gets mad at me when she doesn't give a kiss, even when I'm hostile. She'll still, she'll still take a kiss from me. And then I got in the pickup truck, and then I drove to where I had to go because I had to do something with the military. And I got there, and I was frustrated, and I was feeling pulled in all directions. And then I just had to relax for that moment in time. And I thought about my conduct and my actions, how stupid it was. Did anybody else do stuff like that? How stupid it was, how idiotic it was, how immature it was. 
And then I had to say, Lord, I want to rejoice in all of these circumstances that you've placed me in. And I did that. It doesn't mean that my day went easier. In fact, it got even more weirder. A general was looking for me for something, and you know, he sent somebody, he actually sent the chief of staff to go and find me, and chief of staff was getting on my case because I wasn't at this meeting and all this kind of stuff. So it didn't get any better. However, I carried in my heart the whole idea of rejoicing in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. And so when we look at Christmas, regardless of how you look at it through your own filters, you should look at it and rejoice and what Christ has done. And rejoice always in the circumstances that God has put you in. Rejoice always, regardless in all the different directions that you are pulled. Because if you truly are rejoicing, your gentleness will be evident to all. And so obviously by my conduct in the garage with the empty cardboard box, my gentleness was not being evident to all because I was not rejoicing in the Lord. So you see just by that simple examples that I share about myself how those things are so connected. Connected in terms of our spirit and our attitude and our heart towards God and our conduct with each other. Something to consider. Something that I need to consider. And we are reminded that in regardless of those circumstances, how frustrating they might be, to rejoice in the fact that the Lord is near. The Lord is always with us. He has never left us. He has never forsaken us. And because of that, we are reminded not to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition. But when we do pray, when we do ask God, we are reminded that we do so with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Because when we have that whole attitude that is reflected of a thankful heart, it just seems to make everything all right. Not perfect, but all right. And then when we go before God with that attitude, we truly do present what we need in our lives, what I need in my life, before God in the way that it should be. Because we all of a sudden find ourselves in a, a good place, a place where we feel good about ourselves and where we are at the things that we have been able to accomplish. I was sharing with Lynn earlier this week that a lot of times when we don't want to find that place where we should be when we are with God, it is because we are doing and dealing with the echoes of things that have happened in our past. And I use the word echo because I think it's a good word to describe a lot of times the things that we think about when we do think about 
past. Because those things are truly echoes. They're echoes. Because God says that those things no longer exist in our lives because we have asked for forgiveness, we have been given forgiveness, and the grace that God has provided for us takes care of all of those wrongs, takes care of all those mistakes, takes care of all those errors in judgment that we have made. But yet I know we still live with the past in our lives. And so I thought echo would be a good word to describe it. Because God is not providing those echoes, right? An echo is actually what? It's something that was said and done and then it reverberates, right? As it goes through those canyons. Or as it goes through even this room, I can hear a faint echo. Things that have been done in the past that we hear from in our mind and in our thoughts. And of course, I have to be careful in terms of how I say things and because of where we are at, because it's not little voices. I've got to be really careful they say that here, because we do have people that do hear voices. So that's why I'm using the word echo. I think it's a safer word here. And some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Echo is a safer word. And so when we deal with that, We have to say to ourselves, you know what? God has taken those things away. Even the echoes that I hear are no longer there. Because God wants us to come before him in all things with an open heart, with an open mind, with an attitude in which we are thankful for the things that God has provided to us. And then when we make our requests before God, as we make our petition before God, we do so in a way that reveals the peace that God has given us in our heart. And it is that peace that transcends all of our understanding, all of our knowledge. When I am speaking with people in terms of dealing with spiritual life and spirituality and faith and religion, when I'm in a setting where there's different professions, there's different types of, how should I say, academic people there, they're always looking for some kind of quantifiable measurement that they want to have. They want to see some kind of matrix. They want to see where when you have done X, you have Y. And if you don't have that, then all these other things that you say about faith, that you say about peace, it doesn't count because there are no definable measurements in terms of having a belief. And I would say, yes, there is no definable measurements in belief. I can only give you what that has done for me I can tell you of other people that have told me what it has done for them. Can I measure it on a scale? No. But I can point to you people who don't have faith. I can point to you to people that don't have an understanding about God. I can point to you to societies that have attempted to live without God. 
And then I ask them, do you measure what they have done? Well, well, we're not talking about that here. No, wait a minute, you are. You're talking about if faith makes a difference. If our prayers make a difference. If our understanding about God makes a difference. And I would say to you, yes. Because you also have to consider what happens to people and societies that don't have God. Does that make a difference? Because when we are in prayer with God and we find that peace that transcends all of our understanding, which is all of our human understanding, I mean, I can try really hard in words to explain to you the peace that I find when I'm in that moment, when I find that centering place, when I find that point where God wants me to be in terms of who I am as a person. But I can't really explain it unless you yourself have been there. Because the words that I would say would have no meaning to you. No reference point for you. So even when I say the peace of God which transcends all understanding, if you've never personally experienced that, it's even hard to understand those words that I've just read. But that's where God wants us to be. And when we're in that place, when we're in our happy place, how about that, I'll use that part. When we're in our happy place, that there we are to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because there are so many things that are influencing our lives on a regular basis that do want to pull us this way and want to pull us this way and wants to confuse us wants us to look at life in a different way. And so we are to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We are to protect that relationship that God wants us to have with him through his son. We are to protect that. And so we need to be aware of the fact that we will be pulled in different directions. We are going to have different anxieties. We are going to have difficulties. We are going to have circumstances in which our lives will create this cloud of doubt about who we are as followers of Jesus Christ and whether we truly are believers. And I would say to you that if you are struggling with those things, that's a good thing. Because that means that God is performing a work in you as God is continuing to perform a work in me. Because the fact in our relationship, there is an expectation that we should have. An expectation. God has an expectation for us that we would come to him with all of our needs, with all of our requests, and that we would do so with a thankful heart. And in that place, we find that understanding, even in the most difficult of times. Because in that time that we are having with God, that intimate time in which we have that peace, we are guarding our hearts and our minds at that moment. 
Because we are involved with God in prayer. And as we are involved with God, we see the relationship that we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we see in our own lives the things that perhaps I need to work on that do not reflect everything that I believe in. But even then, we are reminded to focus on those things that are true. The true examples of our lives. The true way in which we are to walk with God. And yes, we don't always get it right. But we are to continue to follow that truth to where it leads us. Continue to follow that truth of what we believe in. Because then, as we are following that truth, whatever is true, then we see that we do whatever is noble, the right thing to do, the right decision, the thing that brings honor to God in our relationship to Him. And we see that the whatever is right thing comes because we want to do it, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because it is the right thing to do. And then we see as we reflect upon it that our attitude and actions are pure. And now it's hard sometimes to separate the human factor from all the things that we are doing. I get that. I understand that. You know, and we're trying to do things in the right way. There's always going to be someone that's going to say, well, you're truly not doing it for yourself, and if it's giving you a good feeling, then you're really not... Well, okay, I get all that. Altruistic is the word, the big words that they want to use in all those things. But you know what? If it's the right thing to do, if you're doing it in a noble way, if you're doing it in a way in which you reflect as more honesty as you can be in terms of the truth of who you are, that you're trying for it to be a pure motive, then go for it. Don't let those people that say, oh, you're doing it because it makes you feel good. Okay, what's wrong with that? Because that tells me that you're doing it with a pure motive. Because you have a right heart. You have the right action. And then you see that you're doing those things because... You're looking at them and you'll say, you know, this is a lovely thing to do. This is a lovely action for me to take. We see that as we are doing it, that it does bring that sense of doing the admirable thing, the thing that is right, the thing that you know is what you should be doing. And we are seeing that as we do all of those things, those things in our lives that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. Think about such things. Think about those things in your life in which they are praiseworthy. Think about those things and the people that are involved in your life that are trying really hard and working at it for you to get it right. I know that there's people still in my life that are still hoping that I get it right. And those things are praiseworthy. Those things are excellent. Those things that 
make us closer to God. Those things that make us closer to each other. And as we are walking with God, with the expectations that God has for us, that are worthy of being a follower of Jesus Christ, we see that in all that we do, in all that who we are. We just thank God for those circumstances. And there's instructions here in terms of the good things that have been learned by the Philippians from their teachers. The understanding of Paul. The things that you have seen and heard from me put into practice. The good things that I represent. The good things in terms of what I have showed you and displayed to you about my relationship with Christ do the same. The things that I have written to you about my relationship with Christ do the same. The struggles that I know that you're going through in which I understand those struggles and this is the way to go through those struggles do the same. And then we see and the peace of God will be with you. And that seems to be a recurring theme in everything we do, isn't it? That peacefulness, the sense that you have done the right thing, the sense that you are putting into practice all of the different things that you believe in that reflect who you are. And it does give you that sense of peace. That sense of peace that truly does go beyond all of our understanding. That sense of peace that we can't measure. Now I'm sure if someone who gives me a brain scan, they could probably see that in my brain on certain things that I'm doing, whether it's time of prayer or time of worship, that our little endorphins are springing back and forth and the, what is it, the electrons stuff that goes back and forth? Oh yeah, some of you are nodding, yeah. And that maybe some of my brain needs to be rewired to do certain things, and faith is a part of that. You know, they've done studies on that, people who believe in God and people who don't believe in God, and if their brains are wired a little differently. But, you know, even with all the scientific basis that is out there, it still comes down to one thing and one thing only, is the peace that you have in the relationship with God. And that peace that you have with God is reflected in your conduct and in your actions. So we end and begin with the same reminder. Because if the peace of God is with you, then your gentleness will be evident to all. Because they go together. And you can't have peace unless you are rejoicing in the Lord in the circumstances that he has placed you in. And if things are not going right, if you get short or aggravated, which I do, I've confessed that on a number of occasions to a lot of you, but that just tells me that when the light goes on and I'm like, hey, you know what, I shouldn't be acting like this, that's a good thing. Because that means... And means for me that the Spirit of God is working in my life. 
the same way that I know the Spirit of God can work in your life. So as we go into the holiday season, as we consider all of the different things that are taking place in our lives, just remember that one thing about what Christmas is. Jesus Christ being given to the entire world to be and to pay for the penalty of our separation from God because of the sin in our life. And when we enter into that relationship, we receive that gift, the gift that God has given us through his Son, which is eternal life. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion as we do collectively together as a body believers in his son Jesus Christ that reminds us of the relationship that God always wants us to have with him. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have given us another opportunity to have communion with you to publicly testify of the relationship that we desire to have for your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, I know that I have failed, and I ask for your forgiveness when my attitude has not been one of gentleness, when it has not reflected the fact that I am rejoicing in the circumstances that you have placed me in, when I am not showing the peace that you want me to have. Forgive me, God. And Lord, I would ask for the others here that are sharing those same thoughts, that you would remind them of forgiveness that you always have for them through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for this time of communion that we share together. In Christ's name, amen.
For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 230, Silent Night, Holy Night.
Thank you for coming.